Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Well, we're here to uh, take up something. All right, last two weeks we've been talking about taking up. We, two weeks ago, Chris talked about taking up generosity. I guess you're going to have to preach it again, Chris. Last week, he spoke on taking up Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is an interesting, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but Thanksgiving is an interesting topic because the Old Testament indicates that the children of Israel were not blessed because they did not thank God for it. Whenever they thanked God, God would open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing to them. And so uh, we want to be a people of Thanksgiving and a people of generosity. And today, I get to talk to you about one of my favorite topics. We're going to take up eating. Man, you should get excited about that. Can I just tell you, you were made to eat. <laughs> this is going to be a little different than you think about eating, but, but you were made to eat. There's something about eating. Is anybody here just despise eating? There's not one person here. We, we love to eat. We love to indulge in, uh, you know, sustaining our bodies. And uh, I'm going to talk today about taking up the table of the Lord, eating in the house of God. Now, uh, this, is, this is very important. I want you to understand something. I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to uh, bring commentary. I'm going to hopefully bring perspective throughout the Bible. And we're going to talk about the importance of the table of the Lord of communion in the house of God and how important it is to us. It is not just a ritual. It is incredibly effective. If Jesus did it, it must be something we need to do. And so let's, uh, let's allow and ask God for revelation today. So let's pray. Let's ask God to help us with this. Father, we just believe for uh, divine impartation. We believe for revelation this morning that would take us from, uh, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Lord, from strength to strength, we believe, Lord, that you have more for us. You haven't completed everything you want to do in our lives. And so we look forward, Lord, to, uh, to hearing what you want to say to us. And, and uh, Lord, so reveal amazing, supernatural thoughts as we speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, help me to describe this today. I want to talk about uh, communion, eating. The bi uh, the, we, we talk about in, in uh, religious circles, we talk about the Eucharist. The Eucharist is communion. The Eucharist means and is defined by the word thanksgiving. So every time we take of the communion bread and cup, we're thanking God. We need to be thanking him. Now, if, if, if God hasn't done anything in your life, I know he has. That's why you're here today. You're, you're breathing because of God. You have family because of God. You have, you know, the different things in life is because of God himself. And so we're here, and we're, we will celebrate in just a few minutes the Eucharist or Thanksgiving. The, 
the Eucharist is also talked about, it's a sacrament. It's very sacred. It's one of the sacraments given to us by Jesus. It's very sacred. It's also called the Lord's Supper. It's called the Lord's Table. And it's called the Communion. Now, Communion talks about, you know, you, you, you speak of Communion, it, 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 it refers to or it is inherent with, with meeting somebody spiritually. In other words, communing with them, touching them, uh, relating to them in a very, very good way. So we, we talk about this. Now, who was the one that instituted communion? It was Jesus. He did it in, in I'm going to read uh, four scriptures here about communion. Jesus himself instituted communion at the Feast of Passover. There were three major feasts in Israel, and the Feast of Passover was a major feast that Jesus brought the disciples together in the upper room, and they, they had the Last Supper. They had a Last Supper in, an, in a room and, uh, at the Feast of Passover, and he, he told them, you must do it this way. Now, I'm going to read out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and 1 Corinthians. I'm going to give you a description based upon the words of Jesus and what happened during this setting. In Matthew 26, verse 26, it says this, and as they were eating, here we go again, they're eating. Now, I'll just comment just, just to start with. Every time the church came together in the early church, they would actually have a meal together and then take communion together. That's what they would do. I want to describe what happened in that in that realm in a few minutes. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And then we see that it says, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We go to the book of, of Mark. Mark gives this rendition of the same story, Matthew, or Mark 14, verse 22. It says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And they took, then he took the cup. When he had given thanks, there's that word thanks again, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then we go to Luke's description of this. Luke 22, verse 15 says, Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. And I, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So we see what was occurring when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Now let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 
It says, for I received from the Lord that, now this is Paul speaking, he's, he's referring now back to the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And everybody said amen. That is the word of God. Praise God for his word. Now we have several things here. Watch this. We have, we have some symbols that have been placed uh, with this, this meal. We have the symbol of the table. A table always is a place of love and fellowship, of sharing and communion. You see this, it is, it is a place where family get together. Uh, it's, it's, when, when you go home to have a meal, you gather around a table. You put the meal and the food on the table. You sit down and you fellowship around the table. There are studies that indicate Families that have meals together have a better integration and have better communion and connection. My favorite, I'll tell you, my, my, probably my favorite program on TV is one program called Blue Bloods. And one of the main reasons why I like that program is because they always end near the, near the end with the family gathered around the table. And they're always participating together. They're talking about things uh, important in their lives. Sometimes there's disagreements, but they always come together and they always say, we live together as family and that's why they eat together. Something happens when you eat together. You cannot have an enemy and sit down with them and eat together and remain an enemy. The, it's, very, it's very amazing that as we partake of food together, something happens supernaturally that our lives are, are bound together and God begins to do something supernatural between us. If you want to have more, if you have more uh, uh, communion with someone, go out to eat. Have you ever noticed that we, we, we celebrate, we celebrate in our culture always with eating and drinking? I mean, we, we celebrated his birthday, and you saw the things on the screen. Diet Pepsi and, you know, donuts and maple bars. Ugh. I can think of something better to put up there, but that's what he likes. Well, that's, that's celebrating. Whenever you celebrate someone's birthday, what do you do? You come together, you have cake, you have ice cream, or you have a celebration of a meal. You're always celebrating. Celebration is... And, and food is inherent in the celebration process, even in life. And we, we have to see that. So God comes and he puts the table in the middle of the church. And he says, this is the table of the Lord. This is a place of family fellowship and sharing, of communion. It's a love feast. It's a meal that we're partaking together. It's drawing us together. It is representative of the Old Testament table of showbread. And then we have the next symbol is we have bread. The bread is, it represents uh, God's broken body. It symbolizes the church, the body of Christ. It's interesting, I didn't read this, 
But in 1 Corinthians 11, about verse 27 on, it talks about discerning the body of Christ. Now, it, that's not just the literal body of Christ. That's discerning the church, for the church is the body of Christ. And as we come together in a meal, there should not be division among us. We should put all division, all gossip, all talk about one another aside. In fact, you shouldn't be doing it anyway. But particularly, the Bible says, judge yourselves that you're not participating in things like this. Discern the church or the body of Christ and put yourself in a realm where there is a, a coming together because when you eat and break bread together, you are bound together. And I think what God is trying to do in the church is bring us a little higher together because the Bible says where there's unity, God commands the blessing. So through the table of the Lord, he's bringing unity so he can send down blessing. Come on. You getting excited on me here? So we, we see this having to do with, with the, the bread and, and the table. We also see the cup or the wine. This represents his blood, which is significant of the new covenant. It's for remission of sin. It's the fruit of the vine. It is the lifeblood of of a live grape, in a sense. It's been crushed, and the, the juice comes, and we, we receive that in our lives as life from heaven itself. So we have the table, we have bread, and we have the wine. Now, in Old Testament times, during the time of uh, uh, Jesus, and even before, previous setting, we, the, the cultural setting was very interesting. We had... We had pagan temples and pagan celebrations, which was a little different from the church celebrations. In the pagan temples and the pagan celebrations, what would happen is only about 2% of the population actually participated because you had to be wealthy to actually become a part of it because you would bring all this uh, luscious food, etc. And in the pagan temples, they would place the food in front of the idol that they were worshiping. And the, that, that would indicate that they were sacrificing this, their, themselves to this idol. They would put the food there. They would pray over it in their way. And they believed that the, by partaking of that food that had been sacrificed to that idol, they would then receive the character of that God, whether it was uh, prosperity or fertility or abundance or whatever it was, they would receive that. And uh, this was in the, in the pagan culture. And, it, and I'll read this in just a minute about, about, in fact, I should do it right now. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, this is what it says. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The, blood, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. See, what happens in the communion, we become one. That's what God wants to do. He wants to, he wants to weave a tapestry in this house of, communion, of, of individual members becoming one, for we all partake of that one bread. Verse 18, observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? He's referring to that temple sacrifice. Rather than the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. 
And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table in the table of demons. He is referring to the pagan practice of drinking of the cup of demons where they would sacrifice and then they would drink it back. And Jesus comes and he participates in a whole different realm. And it's, it's interesting because the pagan culture was this. Only 2% would participate in their rituals and in their celebration because that was the 2% that were rich and wealthy. They ostracized or they cut out the poor. If you were sick and afflicted, you, cannot, you could not participate. If you had leprosy or anything, you were set outside the city and you could not come in in any way and participate with the celebration or their kind of feasting. All of a sudden, Jesus comes along and he turns everything. He turns like the tables upside down. He turns everything upside down. He comes and turns culture and the world upside down, and he introduces the kingdom of God into the world and begins it at the feast of Passover. And basically what he's doing, he says, now everybody is welcome to come and participate in, in feasting and eating in my house. He says, the poor are welcome. The rich are welcome. The sick are welcome. Everybody can come. There is no level, there is no uh, uh, demographic stratas in my house. Everybody comes at the same level. Everybody is invited. Doesn't matter what race, what creed, you're all here. Doesn't matter what gender, you are invited to celebrate and you're welcome. So the church at that day becomes the great equalizer. And it was shocking. You mean we can all come and feast? And they were to go, oh, wow, this is incredible. And nobody was above anybody else. They're all the same. They were a part of the kingdom of God. That's why when Jesus introduced the kingdom, it was all right side up because the world was upside down. You see, the kingdom of God said you had to be powerful. Or the kingdom of the world said you had to be powerful. The kingdom of God said you come in meekness. Everything was upside down. That's why the disciples couldn't understand when Jesus said, I'm going to be the king. They thought he had to be a political king. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about being the king of your heart, the king of the world in the sense of the spiritual thing. Everything was upside down. So when people came into church, it was the most amazing thing. Every tribe, every, every tongue, every, every creed, every, every race, it, they were all coming together. It was not the cup of demons. It was the cup of blessing that they were participating in. They were eating and drinking of Jesus. We, they were remembering the Old Testament Passover. And so this, this was an important thing that, that, that Jesus did at the Last Supper. Now watch this. At the Last Supper, Jesus introduces the new covenant. What's a new covenant? It's a brand new contract. It's a brand new way to live. And he introduces it by his, by his own. And he says, in a, in, a, in a little bit, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to sacrifice myself for this covenant. And he goes, he introduces new creation. You are a part of a new creation right now. That's what you're a part of. Now, you, you have to understand that the, the term being born again means that you enter into a whole new realm of God. John chapter 3 talks about the the born-again experience. 
And it also says in 1 Corinthians, it talks about when you're born again, everything old is passed away and everything is brand new. Did you hear me? Everything. Everything is brand new. Now, when you get saved, you don't see it all. You don't see everything as being new. You have to walk that out. You have to appropriate that through life. I believe that the taking of the bread and the participating in the family meal of the communion is taking a step forward in receiving greater revelation of what God has done in your life, is doing in your life, and will do in your life in in response to a new creation. Just new exposure, new revelation, new disclosure of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in your life. So this is not just a ritual. Jesus introduces this new creation, this this new experience, new covenant. New creation is about the resurrection and restoration of new life. We have new life and God wants to bring new life to us, returning us rightfully back to God himself. And when we take communion, we're saying, God, we are yours, and we're your family, we're your children, and we are one. Bring the blessing, Lord. Now, watch this, because you have, you have to catch this. You still with me? The Bible is fascinating because there are seeds that begin in Genesis that are woven all through Scripture. Just, just, it's just amazing how it's all woven, and there's these different themes. Well, can I tell you this? The Bible is full of eating. It's just full of it. Well, it's just wonderful because I love to eat. It's full of eating. Isn't it interesting that in Psalms 37, it says this. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He didn't say, open your eyes and see. No, he says, oh, taste and see. All through the Bible, there's eating. So we have this. We have in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 a beautiful scenario in which uh, the Garden of Eden is, Eden is presented. There's no evil. There's no sorrow. There's no sickness. Everything is wonderful. It's awesome. And then all of a sudden, this slithering snake enters the scene. That's why I hate snakes. I just about launched into telling you a story about a snake when I was a kid, but I wait on that. I hate snakes. But this slithering snake came in, deceived Adam and Eve, and you know the story. Out of wrong eating, sin entered the world. Wrong eating. What, think about this. They had one tree that they were not supposed to eat of. Everything else they could eat of. Thousands of trees and delicious fruit and whatever, was, whatever else was there, they could have eaten of. But one tree they ate of. And through wrong eating, all of a sudden, sin entered. Now watch this. Do you think God was caught, caught surprised? No, he wasn't surprised. He was disappointed. All of a sudden, you know what God just said? Well, we have to in- instantly and immediately institute our take-back campaign. So in Genesis, he starts the take-back campaign. He wants to return you and I, who were who are now filled with sin. He wants to take us back to the setting of Eden. I remember when Chris was little, he said, Dad, why did Adam have to sin and eat that fruit? 
He says, I don't know, but I can't wait to see him. I, you know. <laughs> so we have the take back campaign. And it starts all through Scripture. Now watch this. The first mentioned principle, you gotta, you got to catch this. The first mentioned principle in the Bible is a hermeneutical principle which states this. Whenever any theme or topic is said first time in Scripture, there is an important revelation in it that you've got to catch. The first mentioned principle of communion of the bread and the cup or the wine is given to us in Genesis chapter 14. This is a story about Abraham. Abraham had just gone into battle because his nephew Lot with all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is a fascinating story, which I don't have time to tell you. But Abraham takes his 418 servants and goes and rescues his nephew Lot and all the people that have been taken captive. And he takes all of the produce that he had won. And he goes back on the way home. He sees a person named Melchizedek. The Bible says, according to Hebrews, that Melchizedek had no beginning and had no end. There's only one person that had no beginning and had no end, and that's Jesus Christ. So, theologically, we have to, we, we come to the point where we see that Melchizedek was a theophany or a pre-existent manifestation of Jesus Christ himself. He's found in Genesis chapter 14. Abraham, who was the father of all those who believe, and Melchizedek, the theophany of Jesus Christ, come together, and the Bible says Melchizedek brought bread and wine, and they had communion. And then what they did, this is fascinating, then what they did, they gave, Abraham gave the tithe. So in the giving of the tithe, they celebrated the communion or the table of the Lord. That's the, that's the first mentioned principle. Melchizedek, Jesus himself, comes to bring his presence into the place where we have the table of the Lord. Every time we take communion, I can guarantee the presence of Jesus is there for you. And watch this, because it was Abraham, who was the father of all those who believed, and he was the one in, in Romans chapter 4 that it was said, he believed beyond belief. He had hope enduring that what God had said, God was able to perform and believed that a miracle, a son, could happen through he and his wife even when he was 90 and 100 years old. And it happened. Because he believed. This is the father of all those beliefs. So every time you take communion, the presence of Jesus is there, and faith comes. Wow. Are you with me? So he, God wants to bring the take-back campaign. So then we go to the Old Testament story of, of uh, the Passover. Let's go to, to Exodus chapter 12. And this is, the, this is the story of the Passover. I, I think I better just tell you. I don't have time to read it all. Here's the story of the children of Israel going out of Egypt, and God tells them, you got to take bread, unleavened bread, and you have to take the lamb. You have to get in the house, and you have to eat the, the bread and the meal and the lamb, and then you have to put the blood on the doorpost. If you do all that, the death angel has to pass over you, and you will not be destroyed. You remember that story. Now, this is fascinating. 
as a result, oh, this is good. I didn't even, I didn't even have this for first service. Are you ready for this revelation? Psalm 105, verse 37 says this. There was no corruptness or sickness found among them as they left Egypt. Not one person was sick. What happened? They participated in the communion. The table of the Lord, God healed them. And they came out without disease and affliction. That's just amazing. So we see in God's take back campaign that this is occurring all through scripture. Now Jesus comes on that day that they celebrate the death angel passing over in the feast of uh, the, the feast of Passover. And he comes in the last supper and he introduces in the last supper, he introduces new creation, new covenant, and all of this. And by eating with the disciples at the last supper, Jesus introduces this all, this powerful uh, statement that God is moving in us. And by eating with, with the disciples, he introduces all of this. He's saying to this, he's saying to all of them, my father is, 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 is producing the take back campaign. I'm telling you right now, it's being produced in you. If you will celebrate at the table of the Lord, you will begin to experience the new creation, the new covenant, the new power, the new hope, new faith, new everything. As we celebrate that, God wants to bring that because we, we, we see scripture saying by his stripes we're healed and life is in the blood and all this. He's saying if you will eat and drink of this, you will find the newness that I want for your life. Now watch this. By eating and drinking, we usher this new creation back. So Jesus, he gets off the cross or he gets out of the grave. He's resurrected. These two disciples in in Luke chapter 24, I'm not going to even read it. I'll just tell you, it's the road to Emmaus story. Two disciples are walking, very disappointed, talking about the time with Jesus. And just, oh, we are so sad. This man comes along, starts walking with them. And they walk, I don't know how long, but they walk for some time. They come to their village at Emmaus, and Jesus is about to leave because it was Jesus who joined him. And they beckoned him to come, the Bible says. They entreated him to come. And he comes into their house. They sit down. They begin to eat. And the Bible says when he broke the bread and they ate, their eyes were opened. And they knew who he was. And he disappears. Can I tell you this? See, these are all revelations given in Scripture. This is why the table of the Lord is so important. This isn't just a, a ritual we go through. When you take of the table of the Lord, you can believe that God will open your eyes. You can believe there will be revelation that will just begin to move in you. All of a sudden, God will begin to show you things you've never seen before. This is, and this is why we, we took uh, communion, as you remember, about six weeks in preparation for Easter every Sunday. I don't know about you, but whenever I take communion, I feel rejuvenated. I feel new life. I feel new hope, I, new, new faith, all that, because that's what is in the table of the Lord. And th this is interesting because we're, all, we're, we're talking about eating. So what happens then? 
Then we see in Revelation, remember, it started in Genesis in the garden. He's still in his take back campaign. We're not done with the take back campaign yet. We, but we see in Revelation, it ends in Revelation, in the latter part of Revelation, where the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place. And we then celebrate the whole take back campaign and we go back to where he, where Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. We begin to celebrate all the goodness of God for no longer do you have disease and affliction and disappointment and discouragement and depression. No longer do you have destruction. You can celebrate because in the marriage supper of the Lamb in the book of Revelation, you begin to celebrate around the table that where, where we're getting married. Who's getting married? Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, and us, the church. We get married. And we celebrate the Take Back campaign has now been completed. And it all happens. How? It's celebrated through the eating and the drinking. One more thing. Well, there's several more things, but I could talk all day about this. Did you notice that after Jesus' resurrection, every time he shows up with his disciples, he eats? Did you ever notice that? Yeah, let's do one of them. Uh, let's do, uh, it's the, uh, which one? I guess Luke 24. John 21, I'm sorry. John 21. Uh, Jesus said to them, uh, Jesus comes to the seashore. And he beckons to them. They're, they're, they're in their boat. Have you ever noticed that people always default into their old lifestyle when they have disappointment, discouragement? So they're back in the boat fishing. That's interesting. But he beckons to them. He says, oh, you throw your nets over here. You'll catch a lot. And then come. come. So they do that. They come to shore. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Simon Peter went up. He's trying to show his prowess, I guess. And he dragged the net to land. Full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Every time after resurrection, when they had a time with Jesus, they ate. There was communion. There was the table of the Lord. We, we, we've got to realize that there's something powerful in this taking of the table of the Lord in church. It binds us together. Let me try to summarize just briefly as, as I close. When we take of the communion table, we are, we are looking at the past, the present, and the future. And Jesus is involved with all of it. Jesus knew you before you were born in your mother's womb. He knew you before you knew him. He's been operating your life all of your life. He will operate in your life all in the future. And communion is, is actually invoking new creation over our lives. It's, it's the fact that God is at work in our world to change everything to his goodness. He wants to reveal himself to us so we can have faith to believe that this will happen in our lives and take the step of faith. And so we, we see all this. It is also when taking communion, is, it is actually celebrating and believing that resurrection power actually is alive in us. For if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will also quicken your mortal body. We, we see all this. It is believing for all the benefits of the kingdom of God in our lives. It's believing for healing and health and believing for all this. We've got to start believing for the benefit package. I love this. In Psalm 103, David actually expresses and lines out the six benefits of the kingdom of God benefit package. 
Have you ever noticed in your insurance benefit package, you never read the fine print until you're in trouble or you need it? Well, we're in trouble and we need the benefit package. Let's look at this. Psalm 103. Now, this is fascinating because David gave us the benefit package before there was really a a resident kingdom of God because Jesus is the one that introduced the, the manifest kingdom of God. David knew about it before. And he says this in Psalm 103. Here's the benefit package. I'm going to forgive all your iniquities. Come on. He forgives. He wipes them away, never remembers them. You're remembering them. God doesn't. You'll start reminiscing about your old life. And he said, what are you talking about? I don't even know who you're talking about. Secondly, his, the second benefit is he heals all your diseases. That's the, that's the benefit pack. Come on, look at it. Look at the fine print if you have to. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. Come on, there's destruction that has been assigned to you and your family, but God comes along and wipes it away. No more destruction. He says, I've redeemed you. I bought you back from destruction. He says, I love this. He crowns you with loving kindness and mercies, tender mercies. He says, loving kindness. I just, he just puts it on you like a crown. He crowns you with it. He puts crowns of loving kindness, mercy in your life. I, I love this. He satisfies your mouth with good things. He gives you good food. He, everything that's, that's satisfying and fulfilling in life, he gives to you. And this is what I really like at my age. He says, I'm going to renew your youth like an eagle. Come on. Have you ever gone to, your, to a class reunion before? They are fascinating, interesting. But I have this one observation. I have found, and this is just a metaphorical observation. I found in most cases that the Christians who've been Christians a lot of their life look a whole lot younger than the rest. I'm, I'm telling you, God does something in the outside. He starts in the inside, but it works out. And if you live your life for Jesus, there's happiness and a glow and a goodness about you that is represented. Because if you ever notice the Bible talks about the face of God, and he says you're made in the image of God, which means your face and your image should be an example of the face and image of God. So he makes you beautiful. He makes you young. I receive that, Lord. Now, these are all benefits. And this is what we, what we partake of in the table of the Lord. It's coming with thanksgiving, with open which opens up the kingdom of God. You see, thank, the Bible says you enter his gates with thanksgiving. We want to come today when we take the table of the Lord with thanksgiving. Because what thanksgiving does, the sacrifice of thanksgiving always opened the door for great blessing. Jonah was released from the, from the, bale, the, the belly of the whale or the fish when he began to thank God. All of a sudden, he was delivered. You see all this through scripture. Thanksgiving brings the blessing of God. We see that communion is celebrating the kingdom of God right in the midst of our enemies. We're saying, you know, you, you may think you have us, but we celebrate a God who is over you. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we're victorious even in the midst of our enemies. It is remembering what Christ has done. 
in all of the benefit package and everything. And, and in communion, I believe God wants to open your eyes to see the revelation of the power of God and his kingdom as never before. There is things you can't imagine. He said, you can't imagine what I'm doing for you. You, 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 you can't even dream. There's no dreams that are capable. So we're going to close now. The ushers can come. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.